0: Hi, everyone. This is your host, John Hagedorn. I've created a place you can go to anytime you need to take a break from everyday life and work. A place you can always count on for a great story. And it's called 1001 Stories from Roy's Diner. Or simply, Roy's Diner. It's just up ahead on the right. On the menu tonight at Roy's Diner, the very best of 50s vintage suspense, thriller, and sci-fi radio. We're inviting you to stop in for a story or two. The caffeine here is included in the story. And now, two stories for your entertainment. All we ask is that you share them with others and send us a review when you can.
1: Tired of the everyday routine? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you
2: Escape! Escape, designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. (laughs) Escape, brought to you by your Richfield gasoline dealer and the Richfield Oil Corporation of New York. Marketers of Richfield gasolines, motor oils, and other petroleum products. Look for the Richfield Eagle on the cream and blue pumps.
1: escape to India and in the story of an ex-army pilot caught up in murderous intrigue as Joel Murcott tells it in his exciting tale serenade for a
3: cobra he's got to keep playing he's got to keep playing that music and I've got to listen if he keeps it up long enough I'll have a chance but if he stops I'm going to die and he may stop he may stop any minute because that's what he wants He wants me to die. My name's Monk Slavin, I'm a flyer. I don't know whatever brought me to Calcutta, but something about the name had the smell of gold. Sounded like the kind of place where a good pilot who didn't ask questions might make a deal. A big deal and a fast one. But nothing seemed to be drifting my way. Nothing but the intense hot wind of the monsoon and the fog from the Ganges and the sea. Rolling over the city from all sides and strangling it. There was nothing to do but drink gin and quinine water at the airport bar and pray that you didn't get malaria. Oh, hello, Slavin. Oh, hello, Grant. You back again? Just flew in with a small cargo, a very small one. Mind if I sit down? Help yourself. You won't get out of Calcutta tonight. Another five minutes of that fog, and there'll be a better ceiling in here than there is out there. <laughs> you
4: sound like the monsoon's getting on your nerves.
3: What you need is a job. Doing what? Flying stinking hides down here from Kathmandu? You don't call that a job, do you? It's
4: the best work I can get at the moment. Now, if I had a chap like you to handle the flights, I'd have time to dig up some new business.
3: You don't have to dig it up, Grant. It's waiting for you. You used to ferry a lot of stuff in and out of China.
4: Yes, but that was before the present situation.
3: You could still make a buck out of China. A good, fat profit any time you wanted.
4: I don't fly contraband.
3: Oh, ethics, huh? If
4: you care to call it that, yes. That's
3: why you're starving with a lousy one-ship freight line.
4: I could take offense at that, but I won't. You don't even have a ship, Slavin, and I'll wager you have very little cash.
3: Well, that's a safe wager. You'd win. (laughs) Why not be practical, old boy?
4: I can offer you a hundred pounds a month and meals and quarters at the base at Kathmandu.
3: You know, I don't know how I can resist this chance to become a millionaire, but I'll try.
4: It's better than nothing. Cushy enough, 420 miles down... 4.20 back and no flying over the hump. No, thanks.
5: Beg pardon, Mr. Grant.
4: Oh, here's my mechanic.
5: I have completed your
4: errand, sir. Oh, that's fine, Jafar. I'll be right with you. If you change your mind, Slavin, you know where to find me. Yeah, leave a light
3: burning in the window. But don't wait up for me. That's all I got, two-bit offers from men like Grant. A beggar, just like the reformed beggar that followed him around, his native man Jafar. A Hindu street faker who learned about planes at an RAF base during the war. Now Grant had him for a grease monkey and a radio operator at the base. Ah, you couldn't beat the British. They found a way to hang on. I reached for my half-empty glass and I... There's another drink beside it, a full one. A drink I hadn't ordered.
6: Is it permissible for a lady to buy the drinks?
3: Permissible? It's a big happy new custom. And thank the lady for me if you ever see her.
6: <laughs> the American flyers speak sharply, like the eagle. But the poor eagle has no wings. You were
3: gonna fix that for me, baby, remember? You had big connections while well, I'm still sitting here waiting.
6: My friends can use a flyer. But only if he has a plane.
3: Well, just wait here. I'll go out and buy one. How come your hotshot connections can't afford a plane?
6: It's not the case of affording. Planes are difficult to get. The license, the questions... The authorities are forever asking questions. But my friends... They never ask questions. If you had a plane, for instance... They would not ask who owned it.
3: Yeah, I see what you mean.
6: I heard Grant offer you a job. If you worked for him... There would be days when you would be waiting here for cargo. Enough time to make a little extra flight. A flight not on Mr. Grant's schedule. And remember... My friends pay well.
3: Yeah. Yeah, maybe Grant's gonna get himself a pilot after all. So I took Grant's job. And the next morning when the weather cleared, we drove to the field. Through the teeming streets with hot, oppressive, suffocating wind carrying the stench of the salt marshes across the city. It seemed like an eternity before we were off the ground and feeling the cool mercy of being airborne.
4: Well, old boy, what do you think of her? Well, she handles all right. I just don't like the Havilands. What is it, war surplus? Yes, but completely reconditioned. Pressurized cabin, heating and air conditioning system. I've changed everything for comfort. Yeah, even the radio. Why the open speaker instead of the headphones? Picked up a fungus infection in my ears in Burma during the war. Headphones were painful, so I put in a speaker. Well, I
3: thought the British philosophy about pain was grin and bear it. <laughs> Only when we can't do anything about it, old boy. Oh, yeah, I see. What's our ETA? Hour and a
4: half. How's your landing strip? We call the base Black Cat. Your plane identification is Red Kitten. The field's a bit like a like a waffle iron, so set her down
3: as gently as you can. I'll treat her Feel like she was my own, Grant. Just like she was my very own. Well, Kathmandu was no improvement on Calcutta. I could see it from the air as we came in. The ancient wooden buildings and the temples, thousands of them. But outnumbered by the throngs of humanity in the dirty streets. We barely hit the strip before the rain started again, brought in from nowhere by the wind. We were weathered down again at the stinking base outside the town. And that's when Jafar, the mechanic, started with the punji, a kind of a native flute.
4: I say, Slavin, do sit down. You're wearing me out. I'm wearing you out. Listen to that thing. Don't he ever stop? He's just amusing himself. Sit down, man. How about a hand of cards? How
3: eh? can I concentrate on cards while he's playing that thing? Can't you make him stop? I
4: can't make him do anything. He's in his own hut and, well, frankly, he's not bothering me. Well, he's bothering me. Uh, why the slicker? Where are you going? To turn that thing off before it drives me nuts. Slavin, these Hindus are strange people. They resist pressure. I'd advise you to... Save
3: it. Grease monkeys handle the same way in India as they do anywhere else.
4: Slam be careful of that.
3: Jafar. Jafar, do you hear me? Jafar!
0: Jafar, stop that thing! I
3: don't know why I stopped inside the door, but I did. There was something eerie about the room. Something in Jafar's burning black eyes that held me. I watched the flute moving slowly as he played. Then I saw it in the dim light. The weaving, puffed head of a cobra. The snake was dancing in front of him. Oh, I'd seen cobras before in the bazaars and in the streets. No matter how many times I saw them, the sight of that deadly, slowly moving, puffed head was enough to turn my blood to ice. I backed slowly out of the room and closed the door. Played it every night after that, every waking hour of the night, until I could hear it even in my sleep. The strange, whining dirge, bringing with it the memory of a weaving head of a snake. In clear weather, I, I could get away from it for a while, but it would be waiting for me when I got back. And in Jafar's eyes, there was a challenge. I could feel his hot stare burning into me as we worked on the plane. What's on your mind, Jafar? What do you keep staring at me for?
5: Why did you change your mind, sir? Why do you now work for Mr. Grant?
3: What's it to you, Jafar?
5: Mr. Grant is good to Jafar. Mr. Grant is too quick to trust people. I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, you do, sir. You know.
3: Get out of here, Jafar. Did you hear me? I said get out of here.
5: I must work on Mr. Grant's plane, sir. That's an order. Get out! <laughs> What's
0: going on there? Get out!
4: Slevin! Uh, Stop it! Stop it. Get him out of here before I kill him! Go, Jaffa. Please.
5: Uh, all right. If you say so, Mr. Grant.
4: Slavin, I don't know what started this, but I do know that I don't want it to happen again. Then keep him out of my hair.
5: I don't like any of these people,
3: and he rates number one on my list.
4: you made that pain enough. I'll try to keep him away from you. I only hope he will stay away from you. What do you mean by that? You've hurt him in his pride, Slavin. You don't understand these Hindus. He won't come back at you with force, but he will come back. Oh,
3: will he? Well, he knows who's boss now. I'll be in Calcutta with this load tonight. Tell him to get that flute out of his system while I'm gone. If he plays it when I get back, I'll ram it down his throat. (laughs) Aren't
6: you going to buy me a drink?
3: You don't make me any money, baby, so don't cost me any.
6: But I am going to make you money. A lot of money. You better
3: come up with it fast. My job looks temporary.
6: Is tomorrow fast enough?
3: Tomorrow I'm bringing another load of hides down from Kathmandu. I'm going back there tonight.
6: Oh, that will fit in nicely. When you leave Katmandu tomorrow, you will make a short side trip, one stop in China, then come back here to Calcutta.
3: China, huh? Well, now you're beginning to interest me, baby. Where in China?
6: My friend knows. His name is Karkanov. He will be waiting for you tonight when you return to Kathmandu. Meet him at midnight, at the rear of Great Temple of Vishnu, at edge of town. How
3: big is the job?
6: Big, but very little trouble. That is, if you are not squeamish.
3: When I say how big, I mean how much.
6: For you, $10,000. American
3: 10000 how much of that do you expect?
6: Oh, Karkonov pays me. The 10000 is all yours. Now will you buy me a drink?
3: Yeah. Now I'll buy both of us a drink.
2: Did you know that gasoline is one of the most mysterious chemical compounds in the world? Gasoline can contain hundreds of different components, but one stands out for its remarkable Antonock quality. It's xylene. Xylene is one of the highest Antonock gasoline components ever discovered. And today, xylene is contained in every gallon of Richfield gasoline. Xylene in Richfield gasoline helps give your car that quick surge of knock-free power. And you feel the silent power of xylene when you zip up a long hill moreover your richfield dealer offers you a choice of two great richfield gasolines with xylene richfield high octane at regular price for motors of average compression and richfield ethyl for motors of highest compression let your richfield dealer help you decide which richfield gasoline is best for your car stop where you see the richfield eagle and the cream and blue pumps get the gasoline that contains one of the highest antinoc components known to science Get Richfield Gasoline with Xylene.
3: And now we return you to... ESCAPE! $10,000. Enough to get out of the trap. I can go back to the States on that, buy my own plane, pick up my own spots for a smart deal. I thought of it all the way back to Katmandu. This would be my last night in that hole. My last night. Black Cat, calling Black Cat. This is Red Kitten calling Black Cat, over.
0: Red Kitten, this is Black
3: Cat. Go ahead. ETA 15 minutes. Visibility poor. How is it there?
0: Poor, but all right for landing, sir.
3: Light landing fields on, on all corners of the field. Flares, you hear me?
0: Mr. Grant has already left to do that, sir. Good. Would you like some music, sir?
3: What do you mean, music?
0: My music, sir. Why that dirty
3: little swine? He was just trying to needle me, but I wouldn't let him. I couldn't afford it now. Just this one night, I could forget anything thinking about that. I spotted the oil fires at the four corners of the field burning a clear spot through the ground haze. I turned on my landing lights and set her down like an old lady's rocking chair. I'd never land on this field again. I'd use it for one more takeoff tomorrow. But I'd never land on it again. <laughs>
7: Off your flashlight,
3: Mr. Slevin. Karkanov?
7: Where are you? On the steps of the temple. No, no, no. Don't flash the light. Keep it off, please. Ah, you. You are very prompt, Mr. Slevin. $10,000 worth. What time do you expect to take off tomorrow?
3: I'm scheduled to leave for Calcutta at noon.
7: Excellent. As you have been told, I want you to go into China. Well, that's vague. It's a big country. Inner Mongolia. It's just south of the city of Suchow. Ooh, that's about a thousand miles in. Twelve hundred. Here is a map. What's the deal? On the map is the location of a field. Not a regular airbase, but good enough for a landing. You will time your landing for just before sundown. You will take off again almost immediate and return by night. Back over the hump at night, huh? That makes it interesting. It will be dull, really, as all well-planned things should be dull, but profitable. A countryman of mine named Leontovich will meet you when you land at Su With him will be an old Chinese. They will return with you. Too hot for him up there? The old Chinese is a wealthy merchant. He will bring his wealth out with him. Through connections, we have arranged this escape for him. But luckily, something
3: else you'll have to arrange. I don't carry enough fuel to get me to Suzhou and back to Calcutta.
7: You will be refueled. Nothing has been overlooked. Where do I contact you when I get back? When you land at Calcutta, taxi to the north end of the field, I will be there with automobile to pick up your passenger and his uh, cargo.
3: Passenger? You mean passengers, don't you? You said there'd be two, your man Leontovich and the old
7: Chinese. (laughs) (laughs) A trifle I forgot to mention. They will both start back with you, of course, but the old Chinese will not complete the trip. You understand? Yeah, I understand.
3: He disappeared into the darkness, and I started back to the field. The night was full of sound. Even the damp heat had a sound of its own, like nothing else in the world. But there was something else. Jafar, where are you? Jafar, Jafar, where are you, Jafar? Where are you?
4: Answer me! I'll find you! I'll get you! I'll get you, you dog!
3: No, 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 no! The devil! He's riding me. Uh, I can't afford to think about him now. I've got to think about tomorrow. Just get back to the field and think about tomorrow. He was on the field in the morning, checking the plane as though nothing had happened. But I could see the glitter in his black eyes, like the glitter of a snake's. I wanted to smash his face with my fist, but I couldn't. I had to fly out as though nothing was wrong. The motors caught sweetly and I lifted off the strip like a feather and then headed south for Calcutta until I was out of sight of the field. Then I met a half circle to the north and headed for the hump. Ah, she took it like a swallow, past the white peak of Mount Everest, the top of the world, and out over the great plateau of Tibet. Then the northern rim of the Himalayas dipped beneath my wings and I was over the hill country of Mongolia. I hit it right on the nose, the field outside the town of Chau, and made my landing just as the bottom edge of the sun was kissing the horizon.
8: I am Leontovich. The Chinese have a truck with fuel, quickly. Why so many of them? Karkanov said there'd be one Chinese. They are the old man's friends. They come to see him off safely. That is why we must go to the bother of taking him along, for a way. All right, but watch them. An armored car will come over the hill as we are ready to take off. Do not be alarmed. I thought you had everything fixed here. Quiet. They will not be after us. They will take care of the Chinese we leave behind. Well, there better not be any slip-ups. Let's
3: get out of here fast. Give me that hose up here. There were five of the Chinese, and deep in their impressive eyes was quiet terror. One was an old man clutching a wicker basket, but the terror in his eyes was tempered with a glint of hope. The others just stared at the plane with a terrible yearning. The last of the gas trickled into the tanks. We took the hose down, the truck backed off. Are you ready? Yeah, boost him in. Come, old one. They lifted the old man into the plane, and Leon climbed in after him, closing the hatch. <laughs> the motors caught, and I nosed her into the wind, just as the four Chinese on the ground made a dash for the plane. The reason was clear. Coming across the hill at the end of the field, an armored car. Hey, what is this? They're shooting! Not at us, but hurry. Don't worry, here we go. Our friends
8: on the ground seem to be dead. That was nicely arranged. Now, they won't be able to talk. How about the old man? In the cabin, he saw nothing. It is almost dark. We can persuade him to
3: leave us at any time now. Wait. Some place over Tibet. As you say. Karconov's man hadn't flown before. I could see it in his face. I was thinking, thinking about the wicker basket. That was the cargo I could carry alone, all alone. I didn't have to land at Calcutta. I could go on to Bombay and be out of India on a ship to Africa before morning. The moon was bright over Tibet and it looked like a ghost land. The old Chinese seemed to be sleeping when I glanced back. His head bent down over the precious basket in his lap. I nodded to Leontovich. He moved slowly, methodically. He slipped an arm under the old man's head, jerked an elbow tight against his throat.
0: Ah!
3: I saw the old man's eyes. The terror and the hope mixed with surprise, then realization, then resignation. He slumped, and the basket slid to the floor at his feet. I set the ship on the automatic pilot and went back into the cabin. He is ready to leave us. I'll open the hatch. You carry him over and dump him out. Ah, such a shame. But at least we shall keep the basket for remembrance. He picked the old man up. I opened the hatch. As Lantovich came to the door, he felt the vacuum pull of the rushing air sliding past the plane. He tried to draw back, but I caught him with my foot and shoved them both off. No! <laughs> I was alone in the cabin with a basket. When I opened it, I didn't even mind the stink of the hides. American dollars, British pounds, and jewelry. In a few hours, I'd be sailing from Bombay. A millionaire sailing from Bombay. Something was wrong. I felt it as I started back over the hump. It was bumpy, and the ship slithered and kicked, and there was a wall of darkness outside. Uh, there was something inside, too. Something or somebody in the cabin of the ship. I turned on the cabin lights and, and looked back, and there was nothing but a load of hides, but the feeling wouldn't go away. I tried to shake it off. In half an hour, I'd be passing over Katmandu just a sound in the night. I had to have a look through the cabin. I set the ship in the automatic pilot and slid from the seat. But she bucked me and I had to grab the controls. Mount Everest was someplace nearby in the dark. I was sweating. I couldn't leave the controls. Now I had to stay with them. But I kept looking back into the cabin with that same feeling. Then I saw it. I saw something long and thin slithering across the hides. A loose rope. I tried to tell myself it was a loose rope, but a rope doesn't move like that. And the head lifted. The hooded, the hooded head of a cobra. A cobra in the plane, plane in the nearest base was Katmandu, still 20 minutes away and I couldn't take my hands off the controls. I flicked the radio switch. Black Cat, this is Red Kitten calling Black Cat. Come in, Black Cat. Red Kitten calling, come in, Black Cat, over.
0: Black Cat to Red Kitten. It is a surprise to hear from you, sir. You should be in Calcutta, sir. You know where
3: I am, you devil, you filthy little devil.
0: Has my pet awakened? He wants to be fed, sir. The cobra is very mean when he is not fed.
3: You put him in the plane.
0: The sting of the cobra kills swiftly, Mr. Slavin.
3: What? What can I do? Jafar, I'm begging you. What can I do?
0: Nothing, sir. There's nothing you can do. I could help you, but...
3: He's getting closer. He's getting closer. Please.
5: Please.
0: You do not like my music, sir. Music? A serenade on the flute might distract him, but you do not care for the flute. Play
3: it! For heaven's sake, man, play it. He's only six feet away from me.
0: I will play, but will you land at Katmandu?
3: Yes, 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 only play it. Play! Snake came closer. That ugly, hooded head, spreading and raising and weaving in time with the music coming over the radio. It was only two feet away. Death, only two feet away. And if Jafar stopped playing, he'd strike. An ugly, ill-tempered, hungry cobra, deadly to anybody but Jafar, who knew when he wanted to be fed. He knew the only thing in the world that could hold him was that flute. That flute, as long as Jafar kept playing it. Over the hump, I saw the oil fires being lit on the strip at Black Cat. That meant that Grant knew I was coming in. Oh, the flute was driving me mad, and the Cobra. I never knew when he'd strike at some movement of my hands on the controls, and yet I had to move him to land. Oh, Grant, Grant, where are you?
4: I'm here, Slavin.
3: Please give me landing instructions, please, please, Grant.
4: When you hit the strip, taxi over to the operations shack as close as you can get. Jafar can keep the flute going. We'll open the hatch and try to distract the snake. Maybe we can get you
3: out. Make him keep playing, Grant. Make him keep playing!
4: We're coming out to watch your landing. I have the police with me, Slavin. Your friends in Calcutta have already been arrested on Jaffar's information.
3: I made my approach to the strip. The head of the snake never stopped weeping. I could see Grant and the police in the light of the oil fires. They cut the motors, dropped down at the edge of the field. Another minute. If Jaffar could just keep playing another minute, I was ready to set it down. The ground was right under the wings. And then the, the flutes stopped!
0: be landing! Careful! It bit me!
4: Well, what do you think, officer? Will he live?
8: Oh, bad crash, afraid not.
4: Too bad about your plane. Oh, it's insured. I'll get another.
8: Oh, you might possibly get the money and the jewels, too, if nobody claims them. I doubt if anybody will.
4: No matter. I only want what is my own.
8: Well, Jafar, I'm afraid I shall have to arrest you.
5: Why, sir? There is no law that says I must play my flute.
8: No, but you deliberately put the snake in the plane.
5: The snake lies there dead, sir. Have you examined it? It is not poisonous. The poison sack and the fangs I removed long ago.
4: Oh, you mean the snake couldn't have hurt him? He couldn't have been killed by that snake any more than he could have been shot by an unloaded gun.
5: I did not harm him, sir. My people do not use violence. It is against
4: our belief.
5: Hmm.
8: I say, there's a strange one. No matter how long I'm out here... I'll
4: never understand them. Neither will Slavin, I'm afraid. You'd better cover him. He's dead.
2: Here's a weather forecast that's guaranteed to be accurate. There is a lot of hot weather coming. And driving in hot weather can spell trouble for your car, cause serious wear, sudden breakdowns. Don't take chances. See the Richfield gasoline dealer tomorrow and ask him to protect all points of your car with Richfield All-Point Safety Service. Richfield All-Point Safety Service is especially designed to guard your car against wear and breakdowns. The Richfield gasoline dealer will change your oil to Rich Lube All-Weather Motor Oil the Pennsylvania premium-grade oil that cleans as it lubricates. He'll safely lubricate your chassis, differential, wheel bearings, and transmission. And he can care for automatic transmissions, too, with top-rated Richfield automatic transmission fluid. And finally, the Richfield dealer will safety check your car for all likely trouble spots. Get Richfield All-Point Safety Service for your car tomorrow. Stop where you see the Richfield Eagle on the cream and blue pumps. Escape is produced and directed by William N. Robson, and tonight has presented Serenade for a Cobra by Joel Mercott. Featured in the cast were Charles McGraw as Slavin, Ramsey Hill as Grant, Jane Novello as Jafar. Also heard were Lucille Meredith, Joseph Kearns, and Paul Fries. Special music arranged and played by Ivan Ditmars. Next week.
1: You're slowly walking down the deserted street of a small cow town coming toward you is one of the bloodiest gunfighters of the West who has sworn to kill you and from whom there is no escape.
2: Next week at this time, the Richfield Oil Corporation of New York invites you to escape to the range country of the early West and to the story of a boy who grew up to be a gunfighter, as Joel Murcott tells it in his exciting story, Sundown. Goodbye then, until this same time next week when once again we offer you escape. Tom Hanlon speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Brought to you by your Richfield gasoline dealer and the Richfield Oil Corporation of New York. Marketers of Richfield gasolines, motor oils, and other petroleum products. Look for the Richfield Eagle on the cream and blue pumps.
1: Tonight, we escape to the Old West. In the story of a boy who never owned anything but a gun. As Joel Mercott tells it in his exciting tale, Sundown.
9: The sun is kissing the top of the mountains, and in a minute the shadows will start to sneak along the street. It's sundown, and you can't do nothing to stop it. Everybody knows that. That's why the town looks like a ghost town. Not a horse nor a rider in sight, not even a tumbleweed. Oh, there's folks around all right, looking out from door cracks and windows. And now the street ain't empty no more. Here's what they've been waiting for. There's Kirby Hunsaker coming out of the saloon at one end of the town, and there's Ben Ford coming from the liver stable at the other end both of them walking towards each other slow, right hands hanging like claws an inch from the gun holsters. In a minute, one of them will be dead. Kirby Hunsaker or Ben Ford. Little Ben. Nothing but a baby when I picked him up off of the desert 15 years ago. Hold up a minute, Sam. What is it? Over there, a dried-out hole, see you? Yeah, looks like a man. Let's have a look.
10: Yeah, it's a man right enough, or what's left of him. Oh.
9: He's come a long way for water. Come to the wrong place. Give me a hand with him. He alive? I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah, he's alive. Can't he? Yeah, friend. Swig this. better hold it to him. Huh? Son's got his eyes. He's blind. Oh. Drink you. Drink just a little bit of it. Oh, it. Ain't gonna help him much. Burn clean through. Yeah. That better? <laughs> Thanks.
11: My wife
9: and my kid. Yeah, yeah, we're there. Back, back there, where I left the
3: wagon. Animals died. I
11: I came for
9: water. Better give me some more, Dan. No, he don't need it no more. All we can do is find his wife and kid, if there's anything left to find. There was something left, a sun-baked wagon in the midst of that hellish inferno, a dead woman and a kid, five-year-old boy. His face was burned, his lips was cracked with fever, but his eyes stared out across that desert like they was following some nightmare that nobody else could see. He didn't cry, he didn't whimper, he didn't talk. We gave him water and he took it. There wasn't no place to send him, and he just stood there watching us as, as we buried his mother.
10: Now, well, what do we do about him?
9: A kid? Take him with us, I reckon. Ain't much else we can do.
10: Ain't nobody on the ranch. to Take care of him.
9: No, ain't nobody here neither. He's like a little cactus, Sam. He'll grow or he'll die. He grew, big, raw-boned kid, and by the time he was 12, he could handle a man's work. And I had a feeling for him, a feeling like like he was my own. A feeling that could make me hurt when I looked at him. Dan. Yeah, Ben?
12: Do I have any money?
9: Well, yeah, I reckon you have. You work for your keep.
12: How much do I have, Dan?
9: Well now I don't know. It takes some figuring. But this is your home, boy. Everything that's here is yours.
12: Do I do I have enough to buy a horse?
9: Why, I reckon so.
12: Then I want my own horse.
9: Hmm, see. All right, boy. Take your pick
12: That three-year-old black with a star in his face I want him
9: All right You just bought yourself a horse <laughs> Yeah, he'd bought himself a horse But it was more than that to him it, it meant he had something Something that was his Come flood or thunder Something in the world that belonged to him And not to nobody else It gave him a reason for being alive and he started to build his life around that black horse. No horse ever got care like that. Ben had had the horse for almost a year when Kirby Hunsaker came. He rode in one afternoon while me and Sam was down to Corral. Ben was in town with a buckboard picking up supplies when Hunsaker rode in. Just pounding leather.
3: Well, Mike. Well.
9: Howdy. Howdy. Your horse looks like he could use a rest, Ranger. Need
11: shoeing, he would be all right. I'll trade him and cash for a fresh
9: horse. Ain't nobody
11: gonna ride a horse of mine that way. Maybe you didn't hear me. I said I'm gonna trade him. That means I'm gonna trade him. My name's Kirby Hunziker.
9: He said the name like it should mean something, and it did. Kirby Hunziker, a name that was drifting all over the West with a trail of blood behind it. Stagecoach drivers and travelers carried it on their tongues, and he knew it. He had a face like a woman, and eyes like a steel trap. And there wasn't no glove on his right hand. It was brown and weathered from sun and wind, and it hung close to his right side like a claw. Never more than an inch from the butt of his gun. A gunfighter. If you're thinking it over,
11: you're wasting my time.
10: Better do it, Dan.
11: All right, Hunsaker. I'll take the black with a star on his face. Put a rope on him. I said put a rope on him.
9: Not that, when he ain't mine.
11: I ain't asking whose he is. Put a rope on him.
9: Any other horse, any one you want, even Trey.
11: Get that horse and keep your hand away from that gun.
9: Dan, do
10: what he says. You can give young Dan the Palomino. He's just a kid and a horse is a horse. He'll forget about it. No,
9: no, he won't, Sam. He won't never forget it. Pronto, friend. Put a rope on that black Pronto. There wasn't nothing else to do Hunsaker saddled Ben's horse and just led out down the trail Me and Sam just stood there We were still standing there when Ben brought the buckboard back from town I watched his eyes go to the corral like they always did And then he turned and looked at me and Sam like, like we was a firing squad
12: Where's my horse, Dan?
9: I told him His face was like stone, but there was a change in his eyes they got back that same look they had the day I picked him up half dead on the desert. Lost and robbed and helpless.
12: You let him take my horse. Well,
9: that palomino's worth twice as much, boy.
12: Not to me, Dan. The palomino ain't mine.
9: Yes, he is. Because I'm giving him to you.
12: I don't want him. I want my own horse. Hey, hey simmer down, boy. You come
9: back let here. Let Sam. Let him go. He'll cool off. We might as well unload this year buckboard. All right, I'll drive her up the house. Get up there, boy! Hey, Ben! Ben,
10: wait! Hey, that fool kid
9: ain't even using a saddle. Now, crazy, he's going after Hunsaker. Hurry up, Sam. Saddle up. Hurry up. He was riding hard and light, and we was distanced before we even got started. But we followed the cloud of dust that trailed after him. In the sun down hit He was lost somewheres in the night. Ain't much chance to find him now, unless he stops and strikes fire. He won't stop. Yeah, be a moon pretty quick. Hey, wait. Listen. Yeah, it's a horse. Must be over at the edge of that ridge. Hey, let's take a look. It's a horse, all right. Looks like the roan the kid was riding. There's something else there, too, on the ground. We rode up. There was another horse on the ground. And in the light of the moon, I could see the white star on its black face. Ben was sitting on the ground beside it. A few feet away was the body of a man. I rolled it over face up. It was an Indian. There was a bullet hole in his head. What happened, Ben?
12: I don't know. This is the way I found him.
9: What's wrong with the Ben?
12: His leg's broken.
9: Oh... Or I must have stepped in a chuck hole. Yeah, yeah. Then the Indian come by and Hunsaker give him a bullet in exchange for his horse. Huh? Tracks in the dirt there. Well,
10: it's a good thing the boy didn't catch up with him. Yeah, it is. Uh That's
9: a bad break he's got there, boy. I know. Ain't nothing you can do for him. I know. Well, now, why don't you uh, just ride on back to the ranch of Sam? Yeah. I'll stay here for a while and, and catch up with you later.
12: You don't have to do that. Lend me your gun.
9: Oh, now, look, boy, let's ride off, you and me.
12: No. He's my horse, Dan, and I've got the right to shoot him.
9: Yeah, Ben, I reckon you have. Here's my gun.
12: I'm coming.
9: Well, uh, me and Sam will walk off a little ways, Ben. Give you a chance to just fall if you want to. Get it off of your chest.
12: I'm ready to ride with you. I ain't going to cry, Dan.
9: He didn't cry. He hadn't cried when I picked him up off of the desert and he didn't cry then. But the tears was inside of him someplace where they couldn't get out. Never showed in his eyes, though. Something else showed there instead. It was hate. A hate like a pure white flame. I could see it burning there when we got back to the ranch that night.
12: What'd you say his name was, Dan?
9: Who, oh, uh, who's that? Whose name?
12: The man who took Star.
9: Oh, uh, Hannigan, I think. Yeah, Jim Hannigan.
12: That isn't what you said before, Dan. I want to know.
9: Hunziker. Kirby Hunziker. You better go in and get some sleep, boy. Or... Ben, you can have your pick of anything in the corral.
12: I don't want another horse.
9: Well, when you see something that you do want, you just holler at yours. That's a promise.
12: Anything, Dan?
9: Anything.
12: All right, then. I'll take your gun. My gun? You promised, Dan.
9: I promise. Here. It's yours.
12: Good night, Dan.
9: Good night, Ben.
10: Why, in all my days, I never heard it's such a lame brain thing. It's giving a kid like oh, that now, a gun. now,
9: he'd have got one somewhere sooner or later. And if I know him right, it... Best to be soon. Oh, he's only a boy. Thirteen. You get to be a man fast in the next few years. And we can hope for him to get better since. You're just wasting your hope, Sam. I'm turning mine the other way. I'm hoping that Kirby Hunsaker don't never come back here.
2: Sometimes after years of scientific research, there comes a discovery that benefits everyone. Xylene is that kind of discovery. Xylene is a super-gasoline component with one of the highest Antinoc ratings known to science. And today, Xylene benefits you whenever you use Richfield gasoline. Your car comes alive with new flashing power when you use Richfield gasoline with Xylene. For faster getaway in traffic, for new sustained power... For higher-than-ever Antinoc qualities, Richfield gasoline with xylene is made to order. Get Richfield high-octane at regular price for the average motor. Or Richfield ethyl. Ethyl at its best for finest results in the highest compression motors. Each Richfield gasoline contains xylene. Each is a leader in its class. Tomorrow, get a tank full of Richfield gasoline with xylene. Test it against the gasoline you're now using. Feel that xylene zip. Stop where you see the Richfield Eagle on the cream and blue pumps for Richfield Gasoline with Xylene. And now we return you to... Escape.
9: A boy and a gun. They were together night and day. Ben kept it with him in his sleep, not under the pillow, but next to his cheek. And you could see the red marks of the barrel on the side of his face when he'd get up in the morning rest of the time was belted around him. And when he wasn't working, he'd go off alone into the hills for target practice, and the target he used was an express company reward poster for Kirby Hunsinger. After the shots were all hitting the target, hitting close and fast, he stopped firing and was off on something else, a draw. I'd catch him at it in the house, or in the barn, wherever he thought he was alone. He started to wear his belt different, too, with the gun holster tied low on his right hip and his right hand hung by his side like a claw. And it got more claw-like with the passing years. rest of him had changed, too. He wasn't a boy no more. He was a man. We heard about Kirby Hunsaker more and more we heard about him. His name had gotten big since he took a kid's horse, Got to be one of the three names mentioned most when the talk in the saloons turned to gunslingers Jim Dunn, Boaz Watson, and Kirby Hunziker. Killers for hire for any dirty job outside of the law, but all jealous of each other, all bound to meet someday and find out who'd be just a flick faster on the draw. And Ben had to be there the night a stray cowpuncher stopped in to rest his horse.
10: More coffee, stranger? Yeah, thanks. sir. reckon I will.
4: I watered your horse. Sure needed it. You must have come a long way. Yeah, from Goldfield. Been riding lucky, though. I come through Flagstaff just in time to see the fight.
9: What for?
4: You mean you ain't heard about it? I must have been riding faster than I thought. You ought to have seen it. Never was a gunfight like it. Who was in it? Two of the best. Big Jim Dunn and Kirby Hunsicker. <laughs>
9: Ben grabbed the edge of the table and his face got as white as borax. Like a lead bullet, it hit him in the guts.
13: Which one of them got
9: it? I prayed for the right answer. The answer that would have been right for me, not the one Ben wanted. Oh, Hunsiger beat him. Dunn never cleared his holster. Color come back into Ben's face, and that pure white flame I hate burned in his eyes again.
10: Hunsiger got the draw on Big Jim Dunn?
4: Oh, yeah. I wish I could have stayed in Flagstaff. Boaz Watson's someplace in the territory, too, and as soon as he gets wind of it, he'll be on Hunsicker's trail for a showdown.
10: Well, if Dunn never cleared his holster, then the man ain't born that can outdraw
9: Hunsicker. Well,
4: Boaz Watson thinks he can. He's been itching for the chance. It's a chance he ain't gonna get Ben.
9: Ben, where are you going to? Just thought I'd take a
13: little ride, Dan.
9: Flagstaff?
13: Flagstaff, Dan. And don't try to stop me.
9: Trying to stop him would have been like trying to stop I Avalanche, but he couldn't stop me from following neither. He rode day and night, trading mounts on the way, and I was an hour behind him when he reached Flagstaff on the third morning of his ride and started his hunt. He tried the hotel, the express office, and one by one the saloons, asking the questions and seeing faces go blank. He was easy to find when I got to town. He left a trail of questions behind him, and I found him in the last saloon on the street. Still asking. Did you hear what I asked you, bartender?
8: Yeah. Yeah, I heard. uh, How should I know?
9: Does he ever come
13: in here?
8: Well, I, I just serve drinks. I don't watch who comes and goes. I'm tired
13: of walking and I'm tired of talking. I want an answer.
8: Well, I reckon he comes in sometimes. When? Usually about an hour from now. Good. I'll wait.
9: going to buy me a drink, Ben? If that's what you came for, Dan. (sighs) Been rough trailing you, boy. Men and horses ain't meant to be pushed that hard. I was in a hurry. Well, maybe we can take it easier going back. Maybe if we left right now, we could camp out someplace tonight like we used to. Ask me later, Dan. This is something
13: I got to do first.
9: He wouldn't drink, and he wouldn't leave. He just stood there waiting, looking at nothing. He might have been carved out of rock. There wasn't a nerve in him. And then I heard the door swing, the way it had a couple of times before, only this time it was different. The talk around the tables cut out, the bartender's hands tightened around the glass he'd been wiping, every head in the place turned towards the door. It was Kirby Hunsaker. I knew that face it grown heavier and crueler, but I knew it. He stood there in the doorway while them bear-trap eyes of his searched the room, moving first from gun belt to gun belt, flicking the extra beat on the ones that hung low, looking for the hands without gloves. Then his glance come up to face level, like, a, like an assayer examining ore. Well, him and Ben hadn't never seen each other before, but somehow they knew each other. Their eyes caught and held... Like two longhorns locked together.
11: I hear somebody's looking for me. In case anybody don't know me, name's Kirby Hunsaker.
13: I'm looking for you.
11: Speak your piece.
13: A long time ago, when I couldn't do anything about it, you stole a horse from me.
11: You calling me a horse thief?
13: You ran him into a chuck hole and you left him with a broken leg. I had to shoot him.
11: You got nerve. Name your price. I might pay it.
13: You'll pay it. My price is the life of the man who stole that horse.
11: You got a gun. Dig for it.
13: You move first, Hunsaker.
11: I'm giving you an edge. Better take it.
13: No. I want to give you a little time, Hunsaker. If I draw first, then you got to move without thinking. But I want you to think I want you to think and decide and worry.
11: You're talking big. A little too big. I want to give you time,
13: like you gave it to a horse with a broken leg. Because you won't draw fast enough, Hansaker. Not even if you move first. I'm going down to the livery stable to take a nap. It's sundown, I'm coming back up the street and I don't want anybody on it. You better shoot me in the back while I'm going out that door, because if you don't, I'm going to kill you, Hunsaker.
9: The flame was in Hunsaker's eyes, too. But it was a man's hate, not pure and white, but diluted with the memory of the way Ben's gun hung. And diluted with just a shadow of fear. Ben went back and slept like he said. I sat beside him for the best part of an hour. Then I shook him. Mm, Kind of gentle. Sun's hanging pretty low, Ben. Just about time to get up and wash. Why
13: don't you start for home, Dan? I'll catch up to you later.
9: I thought that I'd wait up at the hotel. All right, Dan. See you later. Yeah, man. I'll, I'll see you later. So here I am, in the window of the hotel, and under he is in the street, him and Kirby Hunsaker, walking towards each other. And the town is so quiet you can hear their steps on the boardwalk. Fingers of the right hand is clawed like hooks, almost touching the gun butts. Don't even seem like the sun is moving anymore. Like even the shadows is glued there on the ground, waiting for one of them hands to move. Cause when it comes, it'll come fast.
13: Dig, Hunsaker. You punk. I'm going to collect for that horse. Dirty (laughs) bell. That's your receipt, Hunsaker.
9: Ben!
10: Ben! Ben, are you all right, boy?
13: I'm all right.
9: Let's walk. (laughs) Well, it's all over now, boy. Let's saddle up and go on home. Hey,
13: wait. It's a blacksmith. So horses are ready.
8: Express rider
1: came in just after you left before. Boaz Watson is riding in. He met him on the trail. You gonna stay and meet him? Me? I got no quarrel with Boaz Watson. Well, looks like you will have. He was mighty keen on meeting up with Hunsaker. Looks like you've taken over Hunsaker's place.
13: You'd better go on alone, Dan. What? What do you mean, Ben? I killed Hunsaker. Now every gunslinger looking for a reputation will try to get it by killing me. From now on, I got to fight or run.
9: Well, I'll I'll stay with you. I've been holed up in one place too long anyhow. No, Dan. uh, This is where we got to split.
13: Right now. Thanks for everything. I'll never forget you. Goodbye, Dan.
9: Goodbye, Ben. Goodbye, boy. Goodbye. Son. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a gunfighter now. The gunslinging madman will see to that. But he won't never be a outlaw like Kirby a boy as Watson or Jim Dunn. He'd kill if they force him to it. But ain't nobody never going to buy his gun for killing. Because he's got to own something. Desert took family. I couldn't make up for him. Kirby Hunsaker took his horse. And he'll never really own another one. But there's one thing he's got in this world. That gun. That gun is his. He owns it.
2: No one wants to have car trouble, especially on a vacation trip. But sometimes we forget that faulty or neglected lubrication can cause wear and breakdown in any car. To keep trouble away, see the Richfield gasoline dealer tomorrow. Get all-point protection against summer wear and breakdown with Richfield All-Point Safety Service. This service gives your car the extra protection of new Rich Lube Lithium Lubricant, the premium lubricant that's better always. And Richfield All-Point Safety Service also includes all-point lubrication of your chassis, transmission, differential, and wheel bearings. And to protect your motor in hot summer driving, the Richfield dealer puts in fresh, clean, rich lube, all-weather motor oil. The Pennsylvania premium grade oil that cleans as it lubricates. But that's not all. As a final precaution, the Richfield dealer makes a safety check of your battery, tires, spark plugs, and radiator. So tomorrow, stop where you see the Richfield Eagle the cream and blue pumps. Protect your car with Richfield All-Point Safety Service. Escape is produced and directed by William N. Robeson. And tonight has presented Sundown by Joel Murcott. Featured in the cast were Barton Yarbrough as Dan, Sam Edwards as Ben, Will Gear as Sam, Ted Osborne as Hunsaker, John Ramsey Hill as Young Ben, and also heard were Paul Priest and John Daner. Special music arranged and played by Ivan Ditmars.
1: Next week are trapped on a dwindling sandbar amid the rushing waters of a South American jungle river night is coming and with it hordes of Amazonian vampire bats the river surrounding you teems with ferocious piranha the cannibal fish from whom there is no escape <laughs>
2: Next week at this time, the Richfield Oil Corporation of New York invites you to escape to the jungles of South America with a seething tale of terror and violence as James Poe tells it in Bloodbath, starring Vincent Price. Goodbye, then, until this same time next week when once again we offer you Escape. Tom Hanlon speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.